welcome to DWB Podcast. It is your host, Joey Reckless, the man of the 90s. We're going to review Raw. It is the Raw Go Home Show prior to WrestleMania. Drew out, he addresses Bobby Lashley, and, uh, you know, he's just talking about how it was a long, strange trip to get here, and uh, how he was the champion during COVID, and how he sees a lot of himself in Lashley, but he's still going to kick his butt. Um, and he basically asked the question, how, you know, he talks, starts talking about how he's sacrificed a lot to be the champion. And now that there's nothing left, how can you beat a man that sacrificed everything? Which I thought was a decent promo. Like, I, I like this. Lashley came out. Um, you know, he talked a little bit about stuff. Nothing, none of it was really that memorable for me. Uh, he didn't like screw up or anything like that. So that was good. It, this was more of like a like a I guess since the Lashley's champion, he has to come out in the first segment, I guess. Because really, the the guy who shined here was Corbin, who came out next, and basically called Drew out and said that he wasn't going to make it to WrestleMania, and so talking about it, it's pointless, and that he's going to make sure he doesn't make it to WrestleMania. Essentially, it was a decent promo from Corbin. Then backstage, um, then backstage, New Day and Riddle were talking, and there was a lot of pot references in, in, in this interaction. Basically, that was the humor. Seems like there's a lot of backlash on the internet when these two acts interact. I'm not exactly sure why or what what it is about this pairing that people don't like. I think that the segments work fine for me. I mean, it's not making me. It's not making me like either team, neither either act more, but it is making me kind of chuckle or laugh. So uh, it's accomplishing something, but maybe it's just the fact that it's not really how people wished they would present either act, which I'm not sure. You know, I I I kind of left WWE TV right when New Day started to take off. So for me. I always thought that people really liked their act, but it seems like maybe maybe it's one of those things where the act's been around for so long that it's starting to wear on people. And I know this, people do not like Middle, Riddle's character. I think it's not so much the character as like they kind of wanted uh, something different for Riddle, something more serious, something more MMA-related, and for him to be taken seriously, and because he's not... Kind of drives people crazy. Just my feeling on it. Xavier takes on AJ Styles. And basically, at one point, Kofi grabs a microphone, yells something, and then throws it at uh, almost. Almost goes chasing after Kofi. Kofi gets in the ring. Almost gets yelled at by the referee to get down from the apron. AJ goes over to Kofi, turns back around right into a roll-up. One, two, three. Xavier wins. Basically, this was just to get New Day some heat back after being demolished by almost last week. The problem is that this roll-up finish doesn't really give them the, the momentum I think they're trying to give them here with this victory. Would it really hurt AJ Styles to lose to Xavier like Woods straight up via finisher? I don't think so, but okay. Like, I also don't feel like this really added anything to their WrestleMania match. On a lot of a lot of other WrestleManias, this match would be the pre-show, frankly. 
the fact that it's probably most likely going to be on the the pay-per-view speaks volumes to just how poorly built this WrestleMania has been. Then we have a Braun promo where he's uh, in the steel cage talking about people bullied him all of his life and how he's going to kick Shane's ass not only for himself but for all the people who've been bullied. All right. Cool. Shane comes out, insults him some more, sends Elias and Jackson down to wrestle Braun in a handicap match. Braun beats him in a squash. It's basically Elias and Jackson are just irrelevant. I find it interesting how WWE takes, you know, hours and hours of TV and truncates it into like a nice little video package for each individual uh, feud. And the video package for this feud, man, they had to do a lot of tinkering to make this look even somewhat passable and like unlike most of them the tell it's telling how bad this build has been because i still cringe at the flashy production vignette building this match it's still not very entertaining so it tells you a lot i can't wait till we get this match wrestlemania so we can move on from the storyline miz and Morrison are backstage. Uh, somebody's trying to interview them. And then it's seen that they have paint buckets prior. Uh, Bad Bunny had arrived driving a Bugatti. They paint the Bugatti with paint. This was like uh, many magical segments in the Attitude Era where somebody would bring like a really expensive car to Raw and then some baby face would destroy the car and you know it would be a memorable moment stone cold once filled vince mcmahon's car with uh, cement and there's been other equivalent things like that except that they they flipped this uh, the other way around where like the heel damaged the babyface's car the problem is is that just painting it does destroy the car theoretically speaking uh, but there's just a lot lacking in this segment you know i think they were trying to go for some nostalgia i think they were trying to build heat but there was a couple things wrong with this segment i think yeah i know bad bunny is a famous rapper okay right from the start it's kind of hard to identify with him for most people but you have him drive in a three million dollar car i find it very hard to identify with him so that was part of the problem with this segment. Another part of the problem with this segment is, I don't know, it's just like some of the other things they've done to cars in this situation were way more big. And just painting it really seemed like not much of a thing at all. And it didn't have quite the impact that I think they were looking for. Didn't. And really the beatdown of Bad Bunny after he realizes what they've done to the car even lacked a lot of punch this was their go home segment for this feud and i don't think that they successfully built any heat to this at all um because this was really kind of the thing that they really needed to hit out of the ballpark oscar and ray taking on naya and baszler it's announced during this matchup that what will be the wde women's tag team uh situation will be there will be a tag team turmoil match night one and whoever wins that will face naya and baszler and night two at wrestlemania so even the riot squad get it 
you know, potential at a title shot, which is kind of goofy. Um, it's certainly not what anybody has predicted. You know, a lot of people are predicting like a tournament or something like that, or maybe like a four way. They went way beyond a four way here. I don't like this matchup. It's basically just to get a bunch of people on the show, and not everybody deserves to go to WrestleMania. Basically, this matchup was really our first opportunity to get to see Ray in the ring, but we didn't get to see a lot of her. Asuka was in the ring a lot, and eventually Ray just kind of attacks her in the middle of the match and beats her up, and it throws her back into the ring to let basically the feeder to the wolves. And so Ray cost herself a victory, um, and Nia and Baszler win. I mean, I get it. They're trying to pay Ray as like more of the heel out of this 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 feud, but this didn't add enough heat, in my opinion, to their match, and I don't think it was enough to really paint her as the heel. I still think she'll get the babyface reaction when she comes out. What they needed to do is have her beat down Asuka more severely than this. This this felt like a nothing thing. This felt like. What you do earlier in a feud, not the go-home show of a feud. This is like just starting to build the tension between the two. Not the segment you go to to end the build to the match that you're coming down to at the pay-per-view. This was another miss of a feud that we're, we're trying to build for WrestleMania. Like, I can see why a lot of people are not lucky for us at WrestleMania. A lot of the matches, their stories are shaky at best. And the what's what's sad is a lot of the, the matches are not are not matches that people don't want to see. But I don't think there's a lot of interest to see a match just for the sake of a match. There are some out there who will watch this no matter what, exactly because they're anticipating the matches will be good. But we need a little bit more than that for WrestleMania. If this was any other pay-per-view, this build would be acceptable. But because it is WrestleMania, this build is garbage. Then backstage, we have Cedric and Shelton confront MVP. They basically say that the crippled old man made a mistake by cutting them out. And they're going to make him regret it. That Cedric was going to beat... was gonna. No, he didn't say he was going to beat Lashley, but he said uh, he's going to let him know that he was in a fight. Not bad. Not a bad promo. I mean, it it it's a it's a reasonable promise for a babyface to fulfill. Like, and it it is like something like a tough guy would normally say. Like, if the guy is a little bit undersized, but he knows he can fight. I've said this probably a few times in my life. Like, I might not necessarily win, but you're gonna know you're in a fight. It's something that I think made his character uh, a little bit more realistic. A little bit more in the realm of babyface. I liked it. I, I thought it achieved something. It's one of the few segments tonight that achieved something positive for the character. So then we had a backstage interview that was basically interrupted to build the tag team turmoil thing. Basically, all the other female tag teams are basically claiming that they're going to beat Nia and Baszler while Nia and Baszler are standing there. Why nobody's hitting each other, but they're all just arguing, I don't know. Don't think about it too hard. And then just out of nowhere, Billy Kay makes her return. She's been off of TV for a few weeks. 
But here she is. She shows up, and she's saying that she's going to be a part of this. I like Billy Kay. She cracks me up. Um, I, I, I'm also uncomfortable when she's on camera. I don't know if she suffered, like, a neck injury or something, but she moves her head very awkwardly. Like, she sustained a severe neck injury or something like that. I have no idea. I, you know, I stopped watching when the Iconics, like, just made it to the main roster. So, like, I kind of remember the Iconics still being in NXT. And then, like, I remember vaguely that they got called up at some point. And that was r- around the time when I stopped watching. So, she may have been injured, but she always looks awkward. But as far as a character, like... And being good at being annoying and being that person who wants to belong so badly. She does it really well. And it's really entertaining. And it made her stand out in the segment that featured a lot of other people who might be a little bit more serious in the ring. But have no personality whatsoever. Hello, Mandy and Dana. Um, so, yeah, I like Billy Kay's character. Too bad, like, she's not that great in the ring. Uh, and... Maybe it's just something that the way she stands or something. I don't know. But there's something off about she, the way she moves. It makes me f- feel very uncomfortable every time I see her on screen. Uh, but she's an amazing character. Lashley versus Cedric. The the, the the way this match started out was Cedric and Shelton attacked Lashley to try to get some advantage. Didn't work. Eventually, Lashley won. I mean, pretty much what we expected. I mean... I was kind of surprised that Lashley gave Cedric any offense whatsoever. Um, And he did. But it wasn't anything to write home about. And it was one of those things where I don't know what happened, but it felt like their timing was slightly off. Like, um, Lashley went to do his thing where he does, like, the really exaggerated beal out of the corner. Essentially, like, a hip toss. And... Cedric did that same spot with Drew and it looked really devastating and super like eye popping. For whatever reason, I don't know, there was just something about these two's chemistry that was just off. And uh, I guess that was surprising because you, you think you've been in and around each other. Um, there's a long standing history of two people who work together finally get to be put into a program. And they have, like, really strong chemistry because they've been riding the roads together and stuff like that. Maybe you've been working on a match thinking eventually they're going to work each other or whatever. But lately, they've been doing these storylines where, you know, the the group falls apart. And you would think that they would have good chemistry, but they don't. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a weird phenomenon. I guess we should be thankful for all the times that they've done this storyline and the chemistry was good. Then we had Damian Priest and, and Bad Bunny come out. And they were talking about... Uh, well, Damian Priest basically made it official that they were inviting them to have a tag team match. That Since Morrison and Miz both want to attack Bad Bunny, then we should do a tag team match. Like, you know, I laughed when this happened because a lot of the dirt sheets have been predicting for a long time that we were going to now get a singles match between Miz and Bad Bunny because supposedly there was a you know rumor that he was ready to go in a solo match. I don't think that was ever in the works. 
I think it was always going to be a tag team match. They just needed to get there. So what you're going to probably get is a lot of uh, dirt sheet writers trying to do some revisionist history so they can try to look right. Because that's usually what they do instead of just admitting that they got it wrong. But, you know, I had a good laugh at that. And then, like, I kind of was just like, okay, well, at least John Morrison gets a WrestleMania payday. And, man, Damian Priest has got to be thanking his lucky stars. I mean, he, he, he just got added to the roster. So did Ray, really. And both of them make it to WrestleMania. Um, and Damian Priest is going to be put in a spot that gets a lot of eyes. I mean, the story is crap, but a lot of eyes. You know, uh, Bad Bunny was cutting a promo in the ring. There wasn't a lot of passion. There wasn't a lot of charisma. For a guy who loves wrestling, there really wasn't a lot to offer here. And it was kind of disappointing because, you know, if I got an opportunity, like let's say I was a million-dollar rapper and for whatever reason WWE wanted to work with me, dude, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to light that mic on fire. Now, that happens to be the thing I'm good at. I get it. But even if, let's say I wasn't, I would pour my all in my all and cut the best hit promo I could possibly cut. I don't know. It just felt like he, I guarantee you what it was, is he was trying so hard to stick to the script that it didn't come across as genuine. Because once he did go into Spanish in his main language, I think the flow, even though I had no clue what he was saying, it felt more real. It felt more honest. It felt more like him. So maybe it's a thing with like cutting promos in his second language makes him like feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Miz and Morrison come up on the screen. They accept the challenge at WrestleMania for a tag team match. So there you go. Um, you know, the, the line that Bad Bunny really hit home with was that you don't respect me. You never have respected me. I once respected you. I'm going to make you respect me. And I thought that was an okay delivery. It would have meant a lot more if I believed his delivery, but I didn't. Um, probably want to steer clear of letting him cut promos, at least for now. Sheamus uh, and Ali are talking backstage about how they have a common enemy in Riddle. Right in the middle of that, Riddle is riding a scooter and kind of like goes between the two, making his little zoom noise. I love this bit. I mean, like I get like a lot of people hate Riddle. Fine, like I don't really think you hate Riddle. I think you hate what WWE is doing with him. But this get this bit makes me laugh every time. Like we we started this a couple weeks ago where he would go by people and be making like this ridiculous noise with his mouth, and. Uh, I don't know. It's just really, really funny. And this one was extra funny because, like, the look on Seamus and uh, Ali's face was priceless. Just, like, the absurdity of it all was uh, ma- made me chuckle. Riddle takes on Ali. Riddle wins. It was a good little match. But, you know, the ending was pretty much um, a certainty. Then we have a Drew interview... Then we get Drew taking on Corbin. You know, this matchup, I wasn't sure what to expect. We've been really having a lot of good matches with Drew and somebody. 
And Baron Corbin fits like who I think Drew works well with. He likes the people who are willing to be physical. He can have really good matches with people who want to be physical. Him and Lashley, him and uh, Roman Reigns, him and Sheamus have all been good matches because they bring a, a, a sense of physicality to the matches. And I think Corbin, though he's not always portrayed that way, has an element of physicality to his ring style. So I was really interested in to see this match. And it was the best match, uh, match of the night by far, but didn't really have a lot of competition. I don't think it lived up to Drew's matches with Sheamus. I don't even think it was as good of his match with, you know, some others that he's had. But, you know, for a Corbin match, it wasn't half bad. And I did like that they continually let Drew kick out of finishers. You know, so Corbin hit his uh, finisher and nobody ever kicks out of it. Like, nobody. It's one of the most well-protected finishers in WWE. But Drew kicked out of it. I wish that the announcers would have made a little bit more of a bigger deal about that. Um because I think it would have meant a little bit more, but they didn't. They just kind of said it kicked out. I mean, there was a little bit of emotion, but I, I feel like if this was like Michael Cole at his height or Jerry Lawler and JR at their height, I can, oh, we kicked out of that. I can't believe he kicked out of that. Nobody kicks out of that. As a matter of fact, nobody's kicked out of that move in like over f- five years or what whatever what you know you could kind of hear them like going like way over the top to sell this and we didn't get that here so it was a little frustrating um but yeah it was it was a really good match um corbin's i guess probably gonna go back to smackdown right i think they was just here to finish this storyline and kind of go back to smackdown but for whatever reason, like, I, I don't know, he just comes off more uh, credible on Raw than he does SmackDown. So I'm kind of hoping they keep him on Raw. Uh, and frankly, Raw needs, like, uh, another serious heel. And they weren't really utilizing him on SmackDown, really. So I'd rather see him on Raw and see if they could continue utilizing him in a higher up-the-card heel. Uh, position you know um i felt like they needed to do something major to really add fuel to the fire here with drew and lashley and since you haven't utilized any like major heat stuff during the night why didn't lashley come out and just utterly destroy drew I know that like he did like the three hurt locks last week, and so he was standing tall. But why not have him like bust open Drew, and just utterly like beat him down? Do something like we haven't seen in a long, long time. That would put way more heat on this matchup because it's one of your main events at WrestleMania. And again, it's just like mostly for the most part, the only storyline we really got. Toward the whole build was Lashley was on one hand saying he doesn't need help. On the other hand, clearly wanting help to eliminate Drew before the thing. We all knew that wasn't going to happen because we got to get this match. So, and I don't think it really helped Lashley be viewed as more of a heel 
and I'm not sure we ever really felt like Drew was in danger as the babyface. Don't feel like it really added any fuel to the match at all. Again, it just, to me, this is not the WWE I grew up with. The WWE I grew up with knew how to build storylines properly. Knew how to build their WrestleMania cards properly. And none of the matches on Raw really feel like they're the final product. Which is normally what you want for WrestleMania. You want the build to have gone really well. People really want to see the match badly. Don't get that with this this Raw side of the of the card. None of the matches feel super important to me. I mean, the only match that even has some importance to me is Drew because I'm a mark for Drew McIntyre. Like, I like his work. I like him. I, I, I root for him. And I want to see him have a match with Lashley and see if it's good. But that's not the right reason to want to see that match. I should want to care more about that than necessarily me just arbitrarily liking him. So, come Wednesday, we're going to get stand up, stand and deliver. And then we're getting night two Thursday. And then Friday, we get to go home show with SmackDown. And then Saturday, we'll get night one of WrestleMania. And then Sunday, we'll get night two. So, we got a long week ahead of us here on DWB Podcast. I am your host, Joey Reckless. Please like and subscribe to the show. Share the more you share, the more you review the podcast and various podcast catchers, the more those podcast catchers will recommend the show to others. It's a free way to support the show. I would really greatly appreciate it. Um, so all we're basically looking for here is what are they going to do on SmackDown to build any of the storylines that they have from that brand and if Raw's any indication, I think we're going to have the worst, the most poorly booked and built WrestleMania in history. That's saying something because the last WrestleMania came in the middle of COVID, like at like the height of COVID. So not ideal. Um, but hey, I mean, it is the biggest show of the year. It's probably the one show I know most people who normally don't watch wrestling go out of their way to watch, even to this day. Now, it's not as much as it used to be. Like, it used to be, like, I remember when I was younger, like, WrestleMania 20s through 30, like, you could find people at work and stuff like that that would be talking about it and stuff like that going up to the show. Nobody's talking about it at my work now. I'm sure if I even brought it up, People would just look at me kind of like weird. So I feel like there's still some of that um, lapsed or casual fan attraction to WrestleMania, but it's not what it used to be. And nothing that they've done on TV has added any much watch TV to this uh, pay-per-view. I don't think they're going to do good numbers. I don't think... There's anything really to this that's gonna make this WrestleMania pop. I mean, Bad Bunny, I guess, is popular somewhat. Logan Paul is uh is is got some notoriety, but I feel like those are kind of like 
celebrities, more of like the new way of being a celebrity, not necessarily the old-fashioned way of being a movie star or something like that. I, I mean, I guess rapper is kind of old-fashioned, but like he's kind of like a, a weird uh, genre of rap. Like it's more of like Latino rap, like kind of appealing to a very small minority uh, here in America and like a massive majority in South America. I mean, I'm not sure. Like it's a different crowd base than W. Norley appeals to. I get that, but like I'm not sure how many of those people could necessarily understand to order Peacock. Can they even get Peacock? Because like I get it. Like uh, I mean, like it's an app. You know, we kind of take it for granted here. Uh, that apps are readily available, but you know, maybe not everybody has like a cell phone or maybe not everybody has a PlayStation. Um, I know certain TVs now have like apps right directly on them, but those are like brand new TVs. Um, you know, how much accessibility would online pay-per-view have? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, it probably depends on where they are in the social class, basically. So, Logan Paul appeals to like a younger crowd, like more like preteens and teenagers. Um, are any of them gonna order uh, this 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 pay per view th- by going to Peacock and subscribing? Uh, you usually need a credit card to do that, so they would need the parents' permission at least to do this. Um, maybe I. I I don't think it's going to be a big number, though. I, I feel like sometimes, like, WWE moving away from the pay-per-view, like, model, I get it. It's, like, more of their own thing. They don't have to worry as much. I heard, like, horror stories of, like, how long they'd have to wait to get the money from the pay-per-view companies. And they had to deal with so many pay-per-view companies from different areas that they kind of wanted to just have their own. But, man, like, uh, there's something... I think about the accessibility of pay-per-view once upon a time where you could go to any country and order the pay-per-view. Like, where now we're relying on apps and internet and stuff like that. Like, that's cutting down on the possibilities of how far you could reach sometimes. Um, you know, you have to, always have the, the same problem that you always did have. Like, you have time zone changes, too, for other countries. So, yeah, like... um. Again, you question, um, certainly WWE knows they're going to get the hardcores. Who, the, the, you know, a lot of the people that watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown every week, which is roughly about 2 million people, I would guess you'll probably get, get a large chunk of that. You're going to at least get like probably a million people to watch WrestleMania. The question is, are they going to add any people outside of the people who normally watch? I don't think any of the storylines got to that level of attention. Um, and I don't think even the celebrity aspect is enough to draw a, a notable number of people. And the worst part of it all was because they're a private company uh, somewhat, you know, it's going to be a while before we even find out those numbers. Because I've I've looked into it. It's not like we can really find out how many people subscribe from one month to the next month 
of WWE Network to find out like whether or not the storylines were having any impact at all. So would we have those numbers more readily available under the Peacock deal? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I hope SmackDown does a little bit more. SmackDown has been the, the better booked show out of the two. But, you know, it scares me, like, just how poorly uh, they added they added zero heat to any of their stories here on Raw. And they had three hours to do it. And, frankly, they had three weeks to do it. And they didn't do it. So, yeah, I'm kind of not really looking forward to WrestleMania. And I thought this Raw was largely missed except for Drew and uh, Baron Corbin. That was the only match that I would go out of my way to watch. Well, anyways, thank you for your time. Uh, this is Joey saying, remember to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then after you're done doing that, dance to the Bartman song. Right, take care. <laughs>